Not only should Walters be your spot before and after every Nats game, but also Walters is an avenue for cheaper Nats tickets. When buying tickets to Nationals Park through the rest of the season, enter promo code WALTERS for 30% off. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Swing and a drive hit well to right field. This is deep. Back goes Butler to the warning track. Looking up and it is caught. Goodbye. Bang. Soon goes K-Bear Ruiz. Home run number 13. Check on the runner. The lefty throws. And Vargas blasts one to deep left field. This has got a chance. Back toward the bullpen and it is gone. Into the A's bullpen. A three-run shot for Ildemaro Vargas. Jake Alou will lead off against him. Left-hander against the left-handed pitcher. Swing and a drive in the air to deep right. This is way back. This is going, going, and it is gone. Goodbye. Bang. Zoom goes Jake Alou. His first home run in the major leagues. And he adds to the lead. It's now the Nationals 8 and the A's 2. And welcome to Nats Chat for Saturday, August 12th. 2023. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Mark Zuckerman is off for this installment of the pod, but I'm happy to be joined by the man who runs the uh, Nats Chat podcast enterprise, Tim Shovers, and I'm happy to say that we have a comfortable Nationals victory to discuss. An 8-2 win over the Major League Worst Oakland A's at Nationals Park on Friday night in Game 1 of a three-game series. The Nats in this game actually trailed 2-0 after one inning, but uh, the Nats then scored the game's final eight runs. We, in the top of the fifth, did have a sell the team chant. That chant was not directed at the learners. Uh, no, that chant was directed at the managing partner of the A's, John Fisher, as both A's and Nats fans joined in on the chant, which was planned and has become a thing at A's games this season. If you've been following the uh, ownership saga of the Oakland days. You are familiar with this uh, sell the team chant phenomenon. It was something, and it was actually a rather loud chant that got going at Nationals Park. Tim, you were at this game. Did you partake in the sell the team chant in the top of the fifth? I did not, Al, but I will say my wife did. I told her about the cause, and she she enjoyed it. She picked it up. While speaking to a fan, one of the lead fans from Oakland, which we will toss to at the end of this episode, Al, I did get a Sell the Team Green t-shirt, which is now I have for the rest of time. So I have my memento from the Oakland A's 
final days. Cool to see, though, Al. You saw fans wearing green. You know, they're easy to pick out, right? And the fans wearing green across the stadium stood up after the fourth inning. They were ready to go. And uh, let's just say, you know, usually when two last place teams play in August, there's not much to look forward to in the fifth inning. But uh, tonight was the rare exception for that. Yeah. And, you know, it was something that was actually kind of fun, certainly from a national standpoint. You know, it's a weird deal because obviously it's not like the Oakland A's franchise is a big deal in the Washington, D.C. market. But the Nats and the A's over the years have had this like weird connection. The two franchises have made a lot of trades. I mean, you think back to like the Gio Gonzalez trade, the Sean Doolittle, Ryan Madsen trade. There have been a bunch of others as well. And uh, we had what happened on Friday night. So the two teams may be separated by thousands of miles, but uh, there is some kind of Kavorka that has existed over the years between the Nats and the A's. And listen, good for A's fans for doing what they are doing. I mean, we as Washington, D.C. fans are well aware of what bad ownership can do to a franchise. We just went through this with the football team. So all the power to you if you are an Oakland A's fan. Well, this was an interesting win for the Nats on Friday night. First of all, the Nats hit like crazy in this game. Eight runs, 12 hits, five walks, three home runs for the Nats. We'll get to the offense. But how about the Nats bullpen. And look, I suppose you have to couch everything in talking about this game with the A's are terrible. Again, major league worst team. The A's now for this season are 33 and 83. I mean, we talk about the Nats, you know, being a rebuilding team, being a last place team. The Nats with this win now are 51 and 66. That's not good, but that is miles better than 33 and 83. The bullpen for the Nats, of course, did not do so well in the team losing three or four games at the Philadelphia Phillies this week. But the bullpen on Friday night was leaned on a lot. This was a game that was started by Joanna Doan. He ended up lasting for three innings, not for his pitching. Now, he did give up two runs in the top of the first, but he, after warming up for the top of the fourth, got pulled from the game. We did not know why David Martinez, during his post-game session with reporters, revealed the reason why. Cramps. I mean, his legs cramped up on him. Leg cramping. And if that sounds familiar, that should sound familiar. Because Joanna Doan, during his post-game session with reporters after his last start, the start that has put him into this new six-man rotation for the Nats, that outing in which he teased a perfect game, five and two-thirds perfect innings, ultimately three runs, six innings, and a 7-3 win at the Cincinnati Reds this past Saturday, Doan revealed that he, in the bottom of the six, when he lost the perfect game and lost the no-hitter, started cramping. So cramping is an issue right now for Joanna Doan for whatever reason. But Tim, the Nats bullpen in this game on Friday, Friday night unexpectedly was leaned on a lot and did a great job. Four relievers combined for six scoreless innings. You had Corey Abbott, one and a third scoreless innings. Robert Garcia, one and two thirds perfect innings. Jose A. Ferrer, a scoreless top of the seventh. And Jordan Weems, two scoreless innings with three strikeouts. On a night on which the Nats hit, the bullpen in a lot of ways was the MVP of this game. Definitely. Corey Abbott coming in on such short notice and keeping it together and getting his four outs not giving up a run was very crucial to sort of stem the tide a little bit. Even a bad team can beat up on a bullpen when all of a sudden the starter leaves. I know we've been talking about him a lot for the past few weeks, if not month, but I'm still not over this Jordan Weems thing and how well he's pitched and he gets the final two innings of Friday night's victory. Jordan Weems, am I correct that 
it seemed like for a year and a half, he was like the 26th guy called up on double headers. And when someone would get hurt and they would need an arm and then they would need to call someone up for two days and then send them back to Rochester. It seemed like it was Jordan Weems or Corey Abbott. So now that Jordan Weems has become a legitimate member of this a bullpen, I have not yet taken for granted, and I will say, unfortunately, I'm sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop, but maybe I shouldn't. Maybe this is what Jordan Weems is like in 2023. Yeah, and I think that's the key thing in 2023. I mean, I don't think that this guarantees anything for 2024 or beyond. Look, this may not guarantee anything for, say, next month, but Weems has been really good lately. We've talked about this, and he deserves all of the flowers for the job that he's doing. Jordan Weems now this season, 30 games, 36 into third innings, an ERA at 248, a whip of 1.05, and he's averaging more than a strikeout per inning, 40 strikeouts in those 36 into third innings. But, you know, with this Nats bullpen, again, did not have a great series at the Phillies. That is true. And I think we're all sort of monitoring this with this idea of the bullpen was so bad not that long ago. This is not a bullpen that is like overflowing with established well-regarded names. And so you are kind of waiting for the bullpen carriage to turn back into a pumpkin. But, you know, at the same time, you have to praise this thing for what it's doing because the overall body of work for weeks now, okay, this isn't like a cute little, you know, multi-day run anymore for weeks now has been so much better than where this bullpen was. And I really do give it credit for what happened in this game because, you know, it's one thing when you kind of go into a game You know, maybe a team is planning to go with a tandem start or a bullpen game, or you have a starter who you know is probably not going to last for long. Not that people were anticipating Yoan Adone tossing a complete game, but when your starter is warming up for the top of the fourth and then gets yanked because of this leg cramping, and the bullpen comes in and it's 1-0 after another, that's a good job, even against a team like the A's. Like, yes, the A's are putrid, but really nice work by this Nats bullpen and by all four guys. It wasn't like one or two. It was all four in this game who came through. Yeah, it was just a really efficient victory from them ever since called into service. And you mentioned that top of the fourth, Al. In case you weren't watching the game in real time tonight, not only did the inning begin with a long delay because Adone cramped up while warming up, so then Corey Abbott had to become totally fresh out of the bullpen on the mound. But then a few pitches later, Caber Ruiz took a ball to, I have a feeling I know where that foul ball ended up. And if you remember last year, basically his season ended prematurely because of it. And I know he had to go to the hospital for a similar sort of play. So I didn't know if he'd be able to bounce back or not. And Caber Ruiz was able to, but uh, that was a very long top of the fourth. Really, do you see the both members of the battery go down? Yeah, that was a bad fourth inning for the Nats battery. Of that, there is no doubt. But Kate Barrett ended up having a really nice game offensively. And when it comes to Yoan Adon, I mean, there really isn't that much to evaluate. Like I said, two runs in three innings. He gave up the two runs in the top of the first, gave up a one-out first pitch single by J.J. Blade, issued a one-out walk of Zach Geloff, who went to the University of Virginia. Adon issued a two-out wild pitch, advancing Blade to third and Geloff to second. And then Adon gave up a two-out two-run single by Jordan Diaz to left center field for a 2-0 A's lead. But that was it. Two runs allowed over the entirety of the game by Nats pitching. Hey, are you a law firm partner stuck on an underperforming team while the rest of the competitors are spending big and winning big? Well, Unlike Mackenzie Gore and Kate Ruiz, you have options. You don't have to stay on your 60-win team. Nat's chat sponsor, Mason Kalfis, and his team 
specialize in placing partners and associates at medium-sized and large law firms in Washington, D.C. and across the country. Mason Kalfas has recruiters in six states and displaced lawyers in more than half of the 100 largest law firms in the United States. While you may be reading doom and gloom from the legal press, many practices are red-hot antitrust, IP litigation, white-collar litigation, finance and direct lending, and healthcare. Because you are not under a CBA or team control for six years, in fact, staying at a firm too long is often a recipe for being underpaid. Explore your options today with Mason Kalfas. Call Mason today at 202-486-3535. That number again, 202-486-3535. Hey, Nats Chat listeners. If you want to see Dylan Cruz play in the minors, you probably will be able to get a ticket, no problem. But there are plenty of other events where it isn't so simple. And when that happens, make sure to check out the Game Time app. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you would know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Hey, guys, I want to tell you about Factor. We on the Nats Chat Podcast talk all the time about who is and will be a factor for the Nats. Well, the factor that I want to tell you about is as good as any top-notch prospect. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit and can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals. With Factor, you skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping and the prepping and the cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality that you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all that you have to do is heat up and enjoy. Treat yourself to 34-plus weekly restaurant-quality options like bruschetta shrimp risotto, green goddess chicken, and grilled steakhouse filet mignon. Again, ready in just two minutes. Go to factormeals.com slash NatsChat50 and use the promo code NatsChat50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash NatsChat50 and use that code NatsChat50 to get 50% off. Quick Dylan Cruz update from Friday night. He went one for five while hitting in the second spot for the Fred Nats as they're on the road at Lynchburg. A 7-6 loss in 10 innings. Now back to Al. Ruiz doing a little dancing off third. Here's the pitch. Swing and a line drive past the first baseman. Brown, a base hit into right field. Scoring from third, Ruiz. Rounding second, heading for third is Dominic Smith. He's there representing the tying run. El Demaro Vargas has the Nationals on the board, driving in their first run of the game. His 21st run batted into the year. And it's now Oakland 2 and Washington 1. The Nats in this 8-2 win over the A's on Friday night did hit really well. Again, A's are bad, so you got to keep sort of reminding yourself of that. But this was a game in which a lot of guys got in on the act. And, you know, the recent trend had been maybe the upper half of the Nats lineup hit, but the bottom half really wasn't shouldering its load. Well, in this game, everyone contributed, including Ildemaro Vargas. Tim, I got to tell you, I have very mixed feelings about what we're seeing right now because 
you know, rebuilding team post the trade deadline, I really don't have that much of an appetite to be watching Ildemar Vargas as the every game third baseman. And that's what he is right now. Davey Martinez, game in, game out, is putting Ildemar Vargas as a starting third baseman. But you know what? He has been very good lately. He has started to homer, and he homered again in this game on Friday night. So, you know, you can only complain so much about this. The guy is producing. He was in that starting third baseman and number six batter, two for four with a three-run homer and an RBI single, a four-ribby night for Ildemaro Vargas. He and the Nats, two-run second, had an RBI single into right field to cut the Nats' deficit to 2-1. And Vargas, in the Nats, three-run seventh, had a two-out, three-run homer to left field for a 7-2 Nats lead. The homer went a projected 407 feet per stat cast. We have Ildemaro Vargas right now displaying 400-plus-foot home run power. I don't know that many expected that. Yeah, an interesting pregame, Al. I asked Davey Martinez if, by default, his plan is to every day have Vargas at third and Alou at second, which seems to be the case. You know, for right now, you know, but we might do some other things here, you know, but for right now, we'll keep it like that. So basically, Nats fans, expect that to be the lineup day-to-day. There will obviously be alterations here and there. But Vargas taking advantage of it ties a career high for RBIs. I still haven't made up my opinion of how I feel about him playing third over Alou. I mean, because so far, small sample size, but Alou is hitting. So to just dismiss Alou's chances at the big leagues, to me, would seem premature. As great as Ildemaro's doing, I still, my overall concern is, why isn't Alou at third base, especially considering we all expect Luis Garcia to come up at some point this year, correct? So, Al, can you break down for me where the latest is with third base? Because I feel like I'm kind of missing the big picture here. Well, I think if Garcia had not been demoted to AAA Syracuse, Garcia would be at second and Alou would be at third. At least that certainly is what things should be if Garcia isn't demoted. But of course he was. And so, you know, you have this situation where Alou is pretty much the everyday second baseman at this point, although we have seen a little bit of Michael Chavis. And, you know, there isn't that obvious guy to have at third base over Ildemar Vargas. Like, I don't, like I said, I'm not in love with this idea of Vargas as the every game third baseman, but if not him, who? And, you know, some people have said, well, what about Carter Keeboom? Well, Carter Keeboom just came back from yet another injury and, you know, hasn't exactly been knocking down the door in terms of what he has been doing to warrant being brought back up to the majors to get another look at third base. And, you know, the truth of Carter Keeboom is this. He is now way down the organizational ladder in terms of perception. Like, this is not a guy who gets talked about. This is not a guy who gets brought up. And I would not hold your breath on Carter Keeboom being brought back up to the majors this season. Now, he might, okay? And honestly, I'd like to see it. But I don't know that you can sit here and stand on the table for him with the way that his last few years have gone. So, you know, hopefully Garcia is back up sooner rather than later and ends his season strong as the every game second baseman. And we do see Jake Alou at third base. But you're right, Jake Alou has hit. It feels like every game he does something from a run-producing standpoint. And sure enough, Jake Alou on Friday night as an ad-starting second baseman and number eight batter, one for three with a solo homer and an RBI sack fly. He in the one-run fourth had a one-out RBI sack fly for a 3-2 Nats lead. And Alou in an ad's one-run eighth, a leadoff first pitch home run to right field for an 8-2 Nats lead, 419 feet per stat cast, his first career major league regular season home run. So Jake Alou is producing. We know that that's what got him to the majors, his ability to hit. 
And he has hit. I mean, you know, you said it's small sample size. You almost have to keep saying that, right? But 14 games, Jake Alou is uh, produced some big hits. He's got seven RBI over the 14 games. Now, his OPS over the 14 games is only 573. So, you know, it feels like that number should be higher. But yeah, he has come through in a number of run scoring spots for the Nats. And he obviously delivered on multiple occasions on Friday night in terms of driving in some runs. Yes. So love the home run. I also enjoyed the tweet from the team, Jake and Rake. I want to circle back to the point you made. You brought up Keyboom. My point is, why can't Alou play third base today and someone else play second, whether it be Vargas or whatnot, and you play the long game with a third base? So, like, basically, why not just today flip Vargas and Alou until Garcia comes back up? What would be the reason for that? Like, Alou was playing, so you just want to see him at third? Yeah, I would say, why not have a Lou at third, which is his primary position, when you theoretically still have second base earmarked for Garcia, and third base is open, so why not go with someone who might be a 2024-2025 option? I'm aware of Brady House, but still, it could be a little bit before Brady House gets called up. I'd like to know internally, do they see a Lou at the major league level as a third baseman? Do they like him more at second base? Is that why we're maybe seeing what you just outlined? But yeah, you could do that. I mean, I'm not against what you're suggesting there. I guess to me, it's more important that Alou is batting. Like, I just, I want to see him playing, whether it's at second or third, both are important defensive positions. So I'm not too bothered by that, although I understand what you're saying and saying that. I think what has happened with Luis Garcia here really disrupted some things because the plan was never to demote him this late in the season to the minors. I mean, that was something that I think took a lot of people by surprise. And so I really do hope we do see Garcia back up at some point. But, you know, he has to demonstrate improvement both on the field and off the field in order for us to see that. But listen, as long as Alou is playing, I'm okay. And he's hitting and that's good. And, you know, long term, we don't know where he fits in, but, you know, you don't have to know that. Not everything has to fit into a perfect little hole here. If a guy is producing, a team will find ways to utilize the guy. And Alou right now is doing some nice things as a hitter. So on Friday night, Vargas homered, Alou homered, and Kbert Ruiz homered. Kbert Ruiz has gotten going offensively here lately. That has been good to see. Kbert on Friday night as an ad starting catcher and number four batter, two for four with a solo homer, a single, and a walk. Kbert was an igniter in this game. He began the Nats two-run second with a great plate appearance. He drew a leadoff eight-pitch walk to conclude a plate appearance in which he was down at 1.12. Then K. Baird in the Nats one-run fifth had a two-out full-count solo homer to right field for a 4-2 Nats lead. He in the Nats three-run seventh had a one-out single to center field. And so much of this came off what we just talked about. Top of the fourth, took a foul ball off somewhere. I thought it was off his left knee, but uh, it may have been off his uh, left something else. Who knows? But whatever the case, he stayed in the game and he came through. So I feel like this is kind of an underrated thing because Kate Ruiz, he got the eight-year extension. You know, he's not going anywhere anytime soon, at least we don't think. But I think it matters that this guy ends his season strong finishes with some good offensive numbers, and you look at him at the end of the season as, yeah, that guy is our catcher for years to come. You know, off the eight-year extension, I don't want to just assume anything here. You know, it's not a big money extension. It's an eight-year, $50 million extension, and he does need to be the guy who he was traded to be, and that is, you know, not just a catcher, but the catcher. Like, the idea with Kate Ruiz is for him to be, say, one of the top 10 or 12 catchers in the majors, and his offensive numbers as of a few weeks ago, 
did not speak to him being one of the top 10 or 12 catchers in the majors, nor did his defensive numbers. Now, we know with the offensive numbers, there had been some bad luck involved there, but I'm happy to see him getting the offensive results here lately. He's had some good games. He had another one on Friday night. I'm with you. Caber Ruiz having a good final two months, I think, is really an important barometer for what sort of taste Nats fans should have in their mouth during the long off season in the wintertime. If Caber Ruiz and C.J. Abrams end the season well, then forget about wherever Luis Garcia is. And I'm expecting a bumpy landing to the end of the year here with Gore and Gray because of innings count. So the pitchers is a whole different category. But in terms of those you know, cornerstone position players, if Abrams and Ruiz have a good final two months, that's good news. That's a good thing here. So I'm with you on that. Looking at his slugging lately, by the way, in August, which we're only at August 11th so far, but they've played basically every single day and he's slugging over 576. So that's a good sign there. I agree that if you're just looking at a few things from the box score in these final few weeks here, one of the first things you should look at is Ruiz. Yeah, Ruiz and Abrams doing well here lately has been very good. It's a funny deal. Earlier in the year, Gray and Gore were doing well. Abrams and Ruiz were not. And now here we are pretty deep into the season, and it's now Abrams and Ruiz doing well. And Gore and Gray not aren't like, you know, plummeting, but they have come down a notch or two with what has happened with them here lately. Well, speaking of C.J. Abrams, the streak sadly did end on Friday night. He went one for four with a single and a walk, but he got caught on an attempted steal of second base. So Abrams, of course, has been doing so well as it adds every game starting shortstop and number one batter. He in the top of the first on Friday night, again, got on base, a leadoff first pitch single through the right side of the infield, but he did then get thrown out on an attempted steal of second base. He in the last game registered a 25th consecutive stolen base without being caught. That set a new record for most consecutive stolen bases without being caught by a Nats player since the franchise came to D.C. So it's funny how these things can work in sports. You break the record and then the streak ends. You know, it was like, okay, he got the record. Now the streak can end. And uh, sure enough, it did. But, you know, Abrams had a good thing going there, and there's no reason that uh, he can't have another streak. Now, he also had a very good plate appearance in the bottom of the eighth, a one-out nine-pitch walk to conclude a plate appearance in which he was down in the count at one point, one, two. So like Capebert Ruiz, a lengthy, impressive walk in the game. And I tell you, I think that is something to be mindful of with C.J. Abrams and Capebert Ruiz. Not only are they generating hits, these guys are generating walks lately. And especially Capebert Ruiz, that was not something that he had been doing with any kind of frequency, you know, going back a few years. But he has been better lately at drawing walks. And Abrams is getting on base too. It feels like every game, Abrams is on base multiple times, which of course is exactly what you want from the number one guy in the lineup. Yeah, looking here at his game totals this year, Abrams drew a total of two walks in the entire month of May, for example. Now, he wasn't hitting leadoff at that time, but still, that's clearly not enough walks. So you're right. Whatever it takes to get on base, it does seem like he's getting on base multiple times a game. I said it before when I hosted a few weeks ago, but I'm just going to say it again in case you missed that episode and you heard me about a month and a half ago here. I was wrong regarding C.J. Abrams and the leadoff spot. Whoever that was, whether it's Davey Martinez or Baseball Ops or Mike Rizzo, whoever made the call to put C.J. Abrams in the leadoff role honestly might be the smartest move of 2023 in the Nationals organization. I'm so thrilled with this. It has worked out beautifully, and it has had the effect of almost like 
precisely turning around C.J. Abrams' season. Now, he had been doing better prior to being elevated to the number one spot, but it's not like he had been doing better for like six weeks. He'd been doing better for like, uh, I want to say like two weeks maybe, got bumped up to the number one spot. You know, him being bumped up, to me, it was more like a challenge than it was a reward because again, he had been doing better, but not for long enough to where he was like kicking and screaming, okay, you got to move this guy up in the order. This was more like, okay, you've been a little bit better here lately. I'm going to challenge you and see if you can rise to the occasion. And Abrams has risen to the occasion. He's done such a good job in that number one spot. I thought that this was interesting too with Davey Martinez's lineup on Friday night. The starting pitcher for the A's was Paul Blackburn, a righty. And yet Stone Garrett got the start in left field. Of course, the way that things have worked for so much of this season is that Stone Garrett starts against left-handed pitching, which he mashes. But Stone got the start against Paul Blackburn, a righty in this game, and did well, by the way. He is a number seven batter, went two for three with an RBI single, another single, and a walk. But the other guy who we have been seeing in left field lately, Blake Rutherford, has really struggled since being called up from AAA Syracuse. Now, one Friday ago here, August 4th, so it was just a little more than a week ago now that he got called up. But, you know, that's another thing to keep in mind going back to the Ildemar Vargas-Jake Alou conversation. You could put Vargas in left field. That is something that we have seen, not his best spot, but something that you can do. So I would hope that you, you start to see, you know, this loosening of the grip of Vargas on third base once Luis Garcia gets brought back up. But, you know, Stone Garrett is another one of these guys, probably not a long-term fixture here, but maybe can be a piece and someone who does hit when he called upon. He's done a good job this season and uh, he had another good game here on Friday night. I would say the number one reason he got the start is because of Blake Rutherford's struggles so far. You mentioned the righty-lefty matchups and, and Davey alluded to it, kind of just wanted to give him a day. For Blake Rutherford, 0 for 16, that's a small sample size. However, it wouldn't take long for 0 for 16 to turn into 1 for 28. I'm rooting for Blake here because if this opportunity doesn't work out, he is not a highly heralded prospect, and usually what can happen to guys like that is when they get their opportunity and it doesn't happen the first time, they're sort of destined to 10-plus years of riding the buses. So if you're you're a Nats fan, you're just sort of rooting for someone this weekend. Root for Blake Rutherford to get that hit there. But as you said, that's an interesting thing to keep in mind. If Rutherford does get moved back down because that doesn't work out and Davey doesn't want to put Stone Garrett in left field every day, that you might see Vargas move to left, which also could coincide with if Garcia comes back up in a week or two, then you move Alou across the diamond and there you go. We'll see. It, it will be really interesting to see when Luis Garcia gets called back up. If he gets called back up, you know, we can't just assume that. You know, you never know. A lot of the Luis Garcia thing was behind the scenes stuff. I mean, I, I think that's been made pretty clear. And so how is he doing with the behind the scenes stuff? We don't know. I mean, we all can look up his numbers at AAA Syracuse, but what about, you know, the stuff about preparing for games and, you know, working hard and taking his craft seriously, you know, whatever specifically the Nats wanted him to improve upon, is he improving upon those things? We just don't know. Game two of this series against the A's Saturday night at 7.05. Jake Irvin will be the Nats starting pitcher. And uh, then you have Sunday afternoons, game three, 135. Trevor Williams will be the Nats starting pitcher. So, you know, by the way, with a Doan, you know, you start this first go round with a six man rotation. I don't know that he's necessarily injured. Again, cramping isn't necessarily injury, but, you know, it would be something if the six man rotation lasts for exactly one turn and then, you know, one guy's already hurt. And so you have to abandon the six man rotation plans. But uh, we shall see. 
All right, so Tim made mention of it earlier in the show. He was down at Nationals Park on Friday, had a chance to chat with a man named Paul Brunel, who has an interesting story. He grew up in Northwest D.C. in the 1970s, but he became an Oakland A's fan due to there being no major league team in the 1970s after the 1971 season. So what we're going to do for you is play for you Tim's conversation with Paul as Paul was at Nationals Park on Friday night uh, representing Oakland A's fans who right now have a lot to be upset about with the owner John Fisher and with uh, what seems to be the imminent move of the Oakland A's franchise to Las Vegas. Before we say goodbye, we do have to send a salute to Washington, D.C. Little League. Tim, this was a heartbreaker, what happened on Friday. Yeah, the boys from Northwest D.C. lost on a walk-off homer in extra innings to Media, Pennsylvania. That's a suburb just outside of Philadelphia. I will have to say, this was a really cool thing. Right as Davey Martinez's press conference ended, the second it ended, pregame, he asked PR, what's the score? Immediately got an update. Then they put the game on television in the Nats press room. So we watched in the bottom of the six. They play six innings in the Little League. The D.C. pitcher... Pitches way out of a jam, second and third with one out, two straight strikeouts. And Davey Martinez uh, really enjoyed it. He was engaged. And you saw the pitcher for D.C. take a huge deep breath as he walked off the mound, which is a lot of fun to see. But just imagine if you're that pitcher, let's just say he's a Nats fan because he's growing up in D.C., the Nats manager got to watch you work out of a jam in real time. I mean, how cool is that? So tough loss, but an unforgettable moment for the boys, I'm sure. Well, you know, with the way the Nats bullpen has been at times this season, maybe Davey called up the kid after the game. Who the heck knows? You know, hey, we could use you as a fireman at some point. You never know. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A salute to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat podcast music. Check out timnewmark.com. So for Tim Shovers, I'm Al Galdi. We thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast, and we'll leave you now with Tim's conversation with Oakland A's fan Paul Brunel. One out away from the championship by the Oakland A's. Fingers deals a comebacker. Fingers has it and throws the first. Here at the Oakland Coliseum, high up in the heavens, the rockets are going off. Down on the field, thousands of youngsters pouring out of the stands. The ball players battling for their lives to get back into the dressing room. Honored and pleased to be joined by Paul Brunel, a lifelong Oakland Athletics fan, but someone who also grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, Northwest D.C. specifically. He's a Georgetown Day alum, but grew up in the 70s when uh, the Washington Senators were gone. They had moved to Texas. So he is someone who grew up in this area without a team, chose the athletics, and uh, his team is currently in a quandary here today. Speaking to Paul outside of Walters, you know exactly where Walters is, just across from Nationals Park. Paul is wearing a green cell shirt. The cell shirts have been all over baseball this year, making tons of news, and they're now here in the capital city for the weekend. Paul, set for us, what is the goal for Oakland Athletic fans this weekend at Nationals Park? So, thank you. Uh, this is part of a grassroots movement uh, on the part of a lot of Oakland A's fans uh, going back decades and we're obviously unhappy that Oakland A's ownership is attempting to move the team to Vegas. 
And uh, there are a lot of misgivings about the current ownership, John Fisher especially. And so the whole sell movement is to try to get fans united, not just in Oakland, but in other ballparks, other fan bases to chant, sell the team. And we want John Fisher to sell the Oakland A's to somebody who will keep the team in Oakland. For those who won't be in attendance on Friday evening, walk through for everyone what exactly the sell chant will be in the top of the fifth. So the reason why it's the fifth is to celebrate 55 years of the team being in Oakland. So after the first batter in the top of the fifth inning, which would be the A's at bat here, everyone's supposed to remain silent for the first batter, uh, although that doesn't always happen. But after the first batter in the top of the fifth, then everybody, we would love for all Nats fans in every section possible with full-throatedness to chant, sell the team with us. We've been successful in getting that to happen in, uh, in Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles, in San Francisco, and also at the All-Star Game in Seattle. Were you at the reverse boycott game earlier this summer that drew over 30,000 fans to Oakland to chant in mass to sell the team? I was not, unfortunately, because I was in D.C. at the time, but um, most of my friends were, and it was uh, wildly successful. Let's get wonky here for a second. Let's just say that somehow, some way that the team stays in Oakland. What is a realistic path towards getting public funding for a new baseball stadium in Oakland, California? So the interesting part of that is that if you look at what Vegas has offered the A's, it's actually the same, if not maybe a little less, than what the Howard Terminal Project in Oakland was going to be. So we're not a lot of us are, are not really sure why that suddenly became a better option. Um, so in terms of a plan, uh, the city of Oakland seems to have already come up with a relatively decent plan for a proposal that was about 90% of the way there already. Oakland has a very unique fan base. Explain for those unfamiliar with the team and its fans what makes it so unique. So I know the misnomer is that Oakland A's fans don't show up for games and if you look at the numbers, it's hard to argue that, except in reality, what you have to look at is what John Fisher's done to the organization, especially in the last four years. I mean, the 2019 Oakland A's, who were in the playoffs and sold out their playoff game, had Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Marcus Simeon, and Sean Murphy on that team. And after that year, he just systematically dismantled the entire team raise ticket prices and threaten to move to Vegas. So of course fans are, you know, especially the casual ones are not going to show up. Thanks Paul so much for your time and enjoy your weekend here in DC. Thank you. Thank you for having me. A's trying to sweep, but the Giants have certainly not made life easy for them tonight. That's a ground ball to the right side, steered by Phillips, flips Eckersley. Yes, he's there in time and the A's are the world champions. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.